Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. Hello, I hope you're really well. Um, in this episode, we're going to revisit a conversation that, as I learned recently, was really important for a lot of listeners. Some listeners may know that I was involved in Caroline Hiron's Hall of Fame pop-up in central London over the uh, Halloween weekend recently. It was a three-day event and I was there hosting panel discussions with Caroline and various guests including Sam Farmer, Dr. Christina Soma, Claire Coleman, Ruth Quilly, Ate Jewell, Lisa Potter Dixon and Jules Von Hepp to name just a few and Lisa Eldridge was there, actual Lisa Eldridge. And after every session, I was really lucky to get to talk to loads of the attendees who had come along from all parts of the UK and a little further afield to chat about the event, but also just to get to know them. And so many of them told me how this episode that you're about to hear with Caroline about knowing your worth and navigating tricky work situations, not accepting less than you deserve and learning how to be your authentic self had been extremely helpful to them. And for that reason, I really wanted to share it again because I'm very aware that podcast feeds move very, very quickly. It's not the most search-friendly uh, interface uh, app that you probably have on your phone. And once a show is on, it can be quite difficult, you know, especially as this is now over a year old, it can be quite difficult to find it. So for that reason, I thought in the 18 months since it's been published, it's likely that there are other people out there who didn't get to didn't get to hear it who may need to hear it and so for that reason I wanted to reissue our chat and it was as I said originally published in June of 2020. I do hope you enjoy this episode as I said it really impacted on me and I know that so many people said at the pop-up you have no idea when I heard that show I really needed to hear it and it helped me have difficult conversations or it helped me ask for what I am worth in work so many different layers and it was just so wonderful to hear 
And if it resonates with you and you'd like to speak about it a bit more, then head to the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes because there'll be so many other people, your fellow most excellent listeners, who I'm sure would love to chat to you about it. Anyway, the link to join the Facebook group is in the show notes. That can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. But here's my conversation with Caroline Hirons on knowing your worth on The Emma Gunn Show. My guest on this episode of the podcast, and I have a feeling that some of you are going to be very excited about her return, it is businesswoman, skincare expert, and my mate, Caroline Hirons. Yes, she is back, and boy, what a 90-minute extravaganza this is for you. Now, if you're expecting lots of skincare advice, I'm sorry, you're not going to get much. We do talk about her new book, Skincare, which is wonderful and is the ultimate no-nonsense guide to skincare but all of her expertise has been funneled into that book so the link obviously for that will be in the show notes we could uh, talk about how she presents on social media the things that she's passionate about and that too would have made a really nice podcast but I wanted to really focus in on something with Caroline that I've really got to understand and appreciate about her in in our relationship as friends and it's the fact that she is an incredibly shrewd clever businesswoman and the the work that's gone into that essentially because you don't get to call the shots in the boardroom or challenge the corporate machine unless you've done a lot of groundwork you've done a lot of heavy lifting and you know what you're talking about and so that's what I really wanted to unpick with Caroline in this episode and so the way that we did that was actually I printed off a load of very very famous quotes about business and got Caroline to weigh in based on what she thinks. So we talk a lot about life, about how to know your self-worth, how to thrive in business, how to deal with failure, how to navigate success. And honestly, her insights are always so inspiring and genius to me. So I'm very grateful that she shared them here. There's also a little bit of chat about crystals. I'm sure those of you who are fans of Caroline's can imagine how that went. There's also a mention of Mercury retrograde right at the start that... um, well, it wakes the beast. I'm just going to say that. And it's all really wonderful. And it was just such a joy to chat to her. And I'm really grateful that she came back on the show because she is always, as you know, good, good value. The links to Caroline, her new book, uh, which might not be new when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this after publication, but her book is well worth your time. All of those links and to her social media and her blog will be in the show notes, but I'm not going to linger on a long intro for this one because I know that you just want to get straight to Caroline. So here she is making a very, very welcome return to the podcast. It's Caroline Hirons on The Emma Gunn Show. This is the greatest podcast of all time already. (laughs) (laughs) Just because we've been singing Stevie Nicks at each other. How are you, Caroline? Uh, Raging. What's new? How are you? raging oh excellent <laughs> maybe it's something about i don't know some some you know person who looks at the stars would say it's mercury retro- retrograde or something like that but oh, I, do you know what i think it is i don't care i don't believe in any of that shit i think it's just people being assholes maybe you need to go and recharge your crystals caroline i uh, please don't talk to me about recharging crystals then i'm already <laughs> in a bad mood <laughs> oh, i can tell you where i'd like to charge some of them I have triggered the beast. Um, so you are a little bit on the um, agitated side. Yeah. In a week when actually you should be feeling really joyous and wonderful because uh, there's a little book called Skincare that's coming out. Oh, what's not according to Amazon? Well, this is the issue, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've oh, broken yeah, Amazon once. <laughs> you've broken Amazon once, you'll break them again. In more ways than one, hopefully. How does it feel now to be a published author and to know that your mates 
and your lovely followers and freaks, including me, have your book? Uh, I mean, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, like, I don't, I, I'm already on to the next thing. Yeah. I'm already on to the next thing. And I never, you know, it'll be the only book I write. So it's when I did it for my readers. But what I don't like is everything that comes with it and everything that isn't in my control because obviously mm -hmm. I'm a control freak we know this mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. so much involved in writing a book that is just not within your control that's the hard part you know yeah if if I was shipping all the books and people had pre-ordered thousands there wouldn't be an issue do you know what I know that to be true I oh, totally 100% believe that totally so on the scale of things I know we're in the middle of a pandemic but we put it back two months because of the pandemic we're coming out of that part now, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still a bit like, right, okay, it's fine. It's just, it's a lot of work. Because even when you've delivered the book, it's still a lot of work. People think you you write a book and that's it. And that's just the beginning of it. You write the book, you deliver it, you have to go through 4,000 edits. I mean, it's not quite that many, I am exaggerating. Um, <laughs> and And then it's the promotion. And so it's it's a lot of work. You know, my mum cried when she saw the inscription. So that's that's nice. That's fine. Yeah, that destroyed you yesterday, didn't it? Well, because when mum cries, it's because she's seen my nana. And then I think of my nana and then we both cry together. And then I have to go, right, I've got work to do. You're annoying me now. Can you stop? And she's <laughs> like, I know. I'm sorry. I know. OK, it's just nana. I'm like, I know. Don't say a name. I know. So we're still, you know, it's it's uh, six years. It was in January and we're still both wrecked when we try and talk about her. So that's what it was, really. Um, but you know, mum's thrilled. So that's fine. <laughs> um, yes. But well, I, tip, I tip my hat to actual authors. I'm not an author. I'm a blogger that wrote a book. I'm not right. an author. I am happy as a blogger who wrote a book and was in the privileged position of being, you know, being asked to write a book. But if people do this for fun, like people want to be an author and go through this process, oh my God, I'd rather give birth again. <laughs> Do you feel like you just want to go over to LA and just hold Lindsay and just comfort her? Who has written 16 best-selling books? I books. don't know how she did it. I would be white-haired. <laughs> white-haired. And, and probably in jail. Speaking of which, hairdressers are opening soon. I am delighted by this news. I'm booked in at midnight on the 4th. People thought I was joking. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going at midnight. They're opening at midnight. I'm their first customer. <laughs> and everyone on Instagram's like, I really love you with your salt and pepper hair. I'm like, the fact that you said that? is already making me wish the appointment was sooner. Oh. <laughs> I honestly, the last person to cut my hair was Nicholas Hardwick at Josh Wood. And God it was so incredible. I, it was so incredible that I just like, I don't care how long I have to wait. I am waiting oh, yeah, I'm not for touching you. my hair. I didn't go through months and months and years and years and years of trying to find the right colorist and the right hairdresser to then butcher it myself with a L'Oreal at home pack. No, thank you. <laughs> Nice. Right. So we decided to have a chat because you've got the book coming out. But because the book is coming out, the last thing we need to do is uh, fire a load of skincare questions. Oh, at please, you don't. Because... please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I say that with love to my readers. But, you know, you can do better than that, Em. Come on. No, no, I know. So <laughs> and I also know that the other thing that people sort of almost like put you on a pedestal about and go, oh, look, she's the loud one. She's really outspoken and she doesn't mind speaking her opinion. And that is true. 
But I think what I would like to unpick about that isn't about having the confidence to be outspoken. I think the reason why you speak your mind or you are opinionated is because you know your shit. I know that. And I the apostrophe. Or I know my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, that grammar meme. <laughs> no, because I, I know I, of which I speak. <laughs> yes, because I just feel like you can be, there are lots of people making a lot of noise on social media and they're talking absolute twaddle and they haven't done their research. And I think the thing that is inspiring about you and also somewhat dangerous is the fact that if someone comes for you, you come back with the facts and as they say, as the kids say, with the receipts. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm interested really, I think, to know about where you gather your information, how you gather your information. Then once you've done that, where does the connection come where you then go, I will speak with passion about this? Do you know what I mean? Um, well, in skincare, it's just fact. Mm -hmm. It's science. You know, uh, I did a podcast. It wasn't a podcast. It was like a live forum thing that we do now on Zoom in these days. I don't know what they're called. Them, you know me. <laughs> town hall they're, meetings. Yes, yeah, like a town hall meeting on Zoom. But I, it was with uh, Dr. Anjali. Mm. And uh, who said, uh, people forget that skincare is science. So it's really easy for me to come back with facts. I, and it's not my job to drag people into the truth. You know, if they want to stay over there and say that aluminium is going to give you cancer and that lipsticks contain lead, let them shout into their own echo chamber. I, you know, I'm kind of like, whatever. Mm. Um, so if it's, if it's, if I know I'm speaking science and facts, then I'm very sort of almost flatlined about it. I get rage <laughs> as we know when I see people doing it with fear like they, yeah. they, they step across the line from marketing their product into trying to scare people to buy their product. That gives me rage. Mm. And it's so lazy. Is your product that shit that you have to terrify people into buying it? So yeah, yeah there we go. It's like, it's like sales culture. It's like uh, Jules this morning has put up that video about um, diet ads. Mm. And it's just like, this is preying on your fear. This is preying on your weakness and your insecurities. Ignore it. And it's so, so hard. Now, you did something at the beginning of lockdown, which I thought was absolutely amazing to the point where I think it was actually sort of bringing me to tears, which is, and I'll give the backstory a little bit for listeners. Our roles in the beauty industry, and especially mine back in the day on magazines, is that the way I meet beauty products is usually at a five-star hotel. And then a product is presented to me by either the person who created it or somebody very high up in the business. And then I am sent away with that product wrapped in tissue paper. And that's a very lovely place in which to exist in the beauty industry. And at the beginning of lockdown, sales staff who are on the shop floor were not being sent home. And you went online and you went on your stories and you said, get our people home, keep them safe. And it really, I really appreciated it because they are just as important. Their role is just as important as my role. And if is. anything, I'm, I am part of the cog that's creating the machine that's creating the demand that means that they have to stay on the shop floor exactly. so I was so grateful that you did that but let's face it some companies might have been upset with you about doing that I don't so give a shit I know why don't you give a shit because it's more important that their people know that they're supported and that people give a shit about them I don't give a shit about Richard Branson and the owner of Next who by the way flew home flew to the UK, because obviously they're all tax aisles, flew to the UK from New York to vote for the Tories' cuts and then flew out again the same day. So he can also fuck off. So I'm I'm totally, 
I was just enraged because, of course, once they're the unspoken people, they're on the shop floor. They're the lowest of the low to the men in the white suits at the board. You know, mm. they don't care. They just don't care. And I've been one of those girls and my friends are still and boys and my friends are still on the shop floor. And people were messaging me going like, especially in places like Boots, they're moving me from number seven in Lizelle to pharmacy and I don't have any PPE. So they were moving people to the pharmacy with no training just to be a body because technically they were being paid. They were moving them to the pharmacy, not giving them face masks. And I was just enraged. It just enraged me. So, yeah. And the other thing I've noticed is that you've talked previously about maybe having feelings of not belonging, whether that's in this industry. And then I think you talk about coming back to school when you were, what, seven or eight? Yeah. Were you older than that from Mississippi? And feeling a bit displaced and, um, yeah, like you didn't belong. And I think we, we can all, we all know what that feels like or we all have some experience like that. But what I really noticed with you, and I don't know if it's from that school experience, you don't want anybody to feel as though they don't belong or they, not, they aren't valued. So with your platform, you, with your big white dove wings, bring everybody <laughs> yeah. up to. Is yeah. that quite, like, is that something, do you worry about the people who get left behind? How do you see see everyone and make sure that everyone is represented because it does feel like you're very democratic in that way i just don't uh, i just don't believe that someone is better than me it comes from an ego but then of course you can either work with it or it works against you but i just don't believe that someone is better than me one because they have more money two because they are more educated three because they were born into a different family so the fact that my daughter and myself but i always think of things in the way of my kids the fact that my kids would be expected to bow to Kate and William's kids makes me laugh. It's not going to happen. Sorry. You know, I think we'll have a shift in this country when the Queen dies. God bless her. When the Queen dies, there'll be a shift because we're already and I'm not wishing it on Liz, you know, um, but we're already at that. The fact that Harry's gone is monumental. People mm -hmm. thought it was, oh, it's just because of Meghan. He wanted out from the minute his poor mum died. He mm -hmm. was gone. In his head, he was gone. You know, he does not give two shits and I love him for it. Um, and so I have that feeling of, I know it's a slight digression, but it does come from a place of we are all in this together. I mean, the only thing stopping me from going to Boots and screaming at people and saying, give me these, let these girls go home was the fact that my husband was high risk mm -hmm. and I, I didn't want to leave the house. I just, I won't have it. You know, one of my sort of, one of the sayings that has kind of, resonated and become one of my sayings was I had put a someone messaged me on Instagram actually it wasn't a message it was in, on a grid on a grid comment and they said um hi Caroline I don't know if you can help and I feel and it was almost like I feel really vulnerable saying this so someone's already told you the position they are in right but I suffer from depression there are days where I anemone there are days where I cannot get out out of bed or off the sofa and I feel really bad that I'm not taking better care of my skin yada 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 um not to shorten her, but to get to the point of where I want to kill someone. And I just said, of course, you know, look, mate, I totally get it. I wrote a blog post for this situation a couple of years ago, my friend. Here's the link. If you need anything, DM me. This woman put underneath some random. As far as I'm concerned, if you've got two arms, you're just lazy. There's no excuse. I saw this. I saw and this. And I just, I thought, now, do I just block her or do I leave it? And I thought, no, I'm going to leave it. You've shamed yourself. So you can take the heat. And I just wrote, oi, fuck off. <laughs> I didn't think anything else of it. Went and made a brew, came back. And of course, then it was just, but I did that for the person who had 
taken the risk of being vulnerable on my page anyway, because frankly, if you can't be vulnerable on my page because of some knob, then I think that's a reflection on me. So I would rather tell the knob that you're a knob and support the person who feels vulnerable. And this is your uh, Caroline Hire and Skincare Freaks group? No, no, this is Instagram. Oh, what was Instagram? Okay. This is Instagram. Oh, yeah, no Ooh. one like that would be in the group. They'd be out on their ass in three seconds. You are going to feel that heat on your Instagram page because that is slightly more open. So Just a bit. I imagine but, the poster... Don't put yourself who... in that position then. Don't put yourself in that position. If it makes you think twice about being a dick to someone in your own life, good. I don't mm. care. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now... To finish off this little bit ever so slightly, let's talk about this amazing podcast that you listened to recently. I think it's one of your favourite podcasts um, where you were listening to Dr. Andrew Weil. Oh. <laughs> on this show. Uh, on your show, yes. Yeah. And you know, he I love said- him anyway because he was on Oprah years ago when he first came out. He was on Oprah and I remember him telling people to stop freaking out about what was coming with the clean food industry. That's how long ago it was. And he was saying, eat a good hunk of whole grain bread every day. It's good for you. You need the fiber. And it was at the sort of no carb stage of where, where we were at at that point. Oh, yeah. He was, just, he was just so, just so amazingly factual. And then so when I heard him on your show again, the things he said, and I was just like, ah, yes, that makes sense. And what was the thing that really resonated for you? Do you remember? It was something like, I think you had said something along the lines of, you seem to get away with saying things that are quite outrageous, but you get away with it. And he said, well, I've learned, bearing in mind, I mean, how old is he? He's got to be in his 70s. 77, I think. Yeah. He said, I've learned. And I thought, God, I wish I'd learned that 20 years ago. But it wouldn't <laughs> make a difference because you have to have the experience to back it up, right? Yeah. He said, I've learned that you can say anything to someone if you are coming at them with either science facts or just a, basically he was saying just, be factual and don't lose your don't make it about emotion which is interesting because yeah. that's how I've always done business I very rarely kick off or shout and scream in business I think I've, I've done it two times in my last you know 20 year career I'm very that's not the fact this is what's happening whereas online mm-hmm. I get m- much more passionate you know around things like the anti-vaxxing obviously that that's an emotional place for me yeah and so and from that I thought yeah just go back to that and treat the blog online world like you do when you're in business and just be well that's not the fact that's not true Okay, this is a bit of a revelation for me because I just assumed that the Caroline I know was the Caroline who was in the boardroom. That you would be like, oi, dickhead. I can be, but I don't need to be because I remember reading something. I don't know who it was that said it. Someone said, and this is going to sound arrogant, but I don't come from a place of arrogance. They said something like, when you're the smartest person, I think it was someone like a Gary V or a Mark Zuckerberg, not that I look up to him in any way, Gary V more so. But it was someone along the lines of, you know, we're always expected to dress a certain way in the boardroom and women, especially in business, are supposed to be in heels and a three piece suit with a blouse and whatever, you know, the skirt. And I'm like, I don't do skirts. I don't do heels and I don't do tights. So that's me out. Uh, And so he said, but when you're the smartest person in the room or you're the reason the room is happening, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. And so when I started going into it's not about it being a sign of respect. You treat people with respect by how you treat them. What you wear shouldn't come into it because that plays into the whole role of, you know, people who are going for a job interview. You should look smart and clean and presentable, but you don't have to rock up in a three-piece suit because to me, when I'm interviewing younger people and they were in a three-piece suit or they're totally dressed up, I know it must be painful for them because that's not how they dress, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's that kind of, uh, 
I always want people to be comfortable. But after my last corporate job, I threw out all of my like court shoes, everything that I felt like a piece of my soul died when I wore them. They all went in the bin. All my black clothes, when I left Space and K, all of my black clothes went in the bin. I had to buy a black outfit for my Nana's funeral. I don't own any black clothes. Did you feel when you went into, uh, when you left those roles, when you were in them, did you feel like you were in the wrong body? And I, what I mean by that is I've definitely done jobs where I've like, this is not me. This isn't, doesn't represent who I am. I just need to pay the bills. But it was almost like frustrating, like being boxed in. You're playing a part. Mm. And with Space and K, by the way, it wasn't anything about them. It's just that you can only wear black. Yeah. And I just hated black. I've always worn colour. I wear colour. So just to be clear, it's not a diss on them. That was fine. It, it was just, the, oh, thank God I can throw all these old black T-shirts out and black trousers. And I resented spending money on it because it was clothes I didn't want to wear, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're definitely playing a part. And that's why I could never, I could never do it. I couldn't do corporate because I just, I, it would make me, it's just make, I did it. I tried it. It wasn't for me. It was like, you know, tripe. You might try See, it, because- but you, you quickly learn it's not for you. See, because of the emotion I see in you, like you say, which is different, I kind of assumed that when you were in the corporate world and you were having to educate someone, yeah. I would I kind of assumed that you would give a version of what we call in the media the hairdryer treatment. I'm sure it's called the hairdryer treatment. No, not at all. Well. I'm incredibly calm. You can ask anyone. I'm I like this. Calm. I'm almost Xanax calm because unless, unless, let's have the caveat, unless someone is trying to fuck me over, then that's different because then I'm defending me, my team, my ability to feed my kids. That's completely different. But in business, like when I'm doing trainings and when I, when my team are with me, I don't think I've ever raised my voice at anyone in my team ever, ever. I, I want them to be happy where they work. I want them to be overly compensated for their work. I want them to enjoy being in work. I've been on the receiving end of such shit treatment in this industry that I refuse to pass it on. It stops with me. So, and every time I am, that's a nice way of feeding your ego because every time I diffuse a situation or, you know, I always say when people start, you can never ask a question too many times, whatever, you know, if you forget, you forget, just ask me again. I never get bored. And that's also the training of having four kids, you know, I know that people who don't have kids can do it, but there is the training of, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I just don't lose patience. I'm just like, you know, it's just like this. Whereas with Jim, I lose patience. <laughs> I've just told you, just do it. <laughs> I won't have a bad word said about that, man. No, neither will I. I can do it. He's mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I've never. The only time I raise my voice is kind of when I'm screaming at people online and watching football or at a gig, but in a good way. Oh, so it's much more measured when you're actually having to face to face someone in a business environment, having to say, this is bad. But I would imagine you have your list of it's bad for X, Y and Z reasons. And this is how you fix it in A, B and C. Or this is how I fixed it. The subcontext is you dickhead. But I don't say that. Do you think people ever know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) They know. They know. But I'm very polite. And also never forget, of course, the first rule of Harvard Business School is that E in email stands for evidence. Oh, I would drop my mic if I didn't want to break it. <laughs> yeah, don't break your mic. So always be aware that what you're sending to people could be seen publicly. There are a few people on Instagram who could still do with learning that. Yes, you're not right. <laughs> By the way, what does shit treatment look like? 
And the reason I'm asking this is because I've been having some conversations. I think there's been a lot of dialogue at the moment about what goes on in the media. And I've been talking to quite a few friends and there's just a way that people get treated in the media that when I speak to friends who aren't in the industry, like that would never happen in my bank or business because HR would just come down on you like a ton of bricks. And it's usually stuff like, it's usually playground stuff, Mm. like silent treatment, boxing someone out, you know, that kind of thing. What do you, do you think shit treatment looks or feels a certain way? And when's appropriate to call it out? In the industry, I guess in the beauty industry, uh, it's classism. Mm. So it's wealthy uh, girls who went to uni for the fun and then went on a gap year. They had a gap year. They went on a gap year to Bolivia because mummy and daddy paid for it. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, and then their daddy knows or their mummy knows someone in publishing, and they end up with a job as a PR in Condé Nast or something mm. like that. Mm. I don't know a PR in Condé Nast. I'm using them as an example. Yeah. Um, it's the difference. It's the difference between the shop floor and the boardroom. So if I've had people say to me, well, that's, you know, and I've been saying this is the salary I require. I've had people say, well, that's quite a lot, especially for someone who doesn't have a college degree or a university degree, obviously, especially for someone who didn't go to uni. And I, I'm like, I didn't go to uni by choice. Didn't want to go to uni. I could run rings around you in the boardroom. So you either pay me or you don't. It's fine. I've had huge multi multimedia, not multimedia, that's the wrong word, multi-corporate, like huge corporate conglomerates who own multiple businesses uh saying things like they'd sent they sent me a a job offer it was like three two and a half hour interviews you know when you're like oh my god do I really want this is this the hassle um and it wasn't in central London so you had to sort of get out to this you know and then there was another interview and then there was a test and there was an interview and they offered me the job and the job was lower than they had advertised and so I went back and I said well thank you for the offer but this is less money than I'm on now and they said well it includes a car and I said I didn't ask for a car and I don't drive and then they said, and I clearly remember thinking, oh, you're wasting my time. And I was already on to the next. Like, if that's what they're going to offer, that's fine. Like I say, it's not my job to educate you. I'm just off. And then they said, well, that's the price that we've, that's the value we've put on the job. And I remember clearly saying, well, it's less than the value I put on my work. And this was, yeah, and this was at least, it was before I consulted for myself. So it was about 15 years ago. I would have been about 35. And I remember saying, well, it's less than the value I put on my work. So it's a decline. I'm sorry. They could not believe I turned the job down because obviously it's the kind of place where everyone's like, once you're in, you're in for life. That to me is a prison sentence. When people are like, oh, I'm here for life. They'll carry me out feet first. I'm like, oh, my God, you poor thing. <laughs> but that's because I work for myself and I know that's a sort of different mindset. Yeah. You know, I have lots of friends who work in corporate and love it and it suits them down to the ground. It's just not for me. I think that takes a lot of cojones. And I um, was talking to a friend earlier about salaries and how I accepted really, really low salaries from a lot of my career on magazines. And I said some, something once of, oh, and I said, if they change my job title, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about not getting the pay rise. And when you actually think about that sort of 15 years later working for yourself, the fact that you were going to take a change in how your name appeared in the masthead over your ability to pay your bills. It's just... Yeah, it's classism. And it's, you know, everyone wants to be, you know, in our industry, I'm sure it's more like everyone's clambering to be the beauty director rather than the beauty assistant or the freelancer. You know, I understand it, but I'm coming, that's where I'm coming, journal point, a journalist point of view, and that's not me. Mm. It's that kind of, you know, and bloggers do it to themselves. I see everyone sort of looking at the, it'll be interesting to see how the influencer world evolves because who's going to be up for doing those like 
week-long trips to Bali to announce a mascara launch. There's no way that's going to be taken by customers now as anything other than an obscene extravagance. It was before. Mm. Now it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Really interesting. And I don't know about you. I've I've been really lucky. I've been on some of those amazing trips, but I don't need to be flown anywhere to understand, hopefully, to understand why a mascara is good, why a foundation works and who it will be good for and why skincare is decent. Yeah, it's all for content and I get that. But the fact that so many people have sacrificed so much this last, well, pretty much since the beginning of 2020, let's face it. Um, it'll be inter- interesting to see how the industry evolves. Do you think that Corona and also what's happened recently with Black Lives Matter and the movement that's happening online, do you think that we, it will change forever and that progress yeah. is now really going to happen? Uh, with Black Lives Matter, absolutely, it has to. Uh, corona, I don't know what to expect because we could get a second wave and who knows. I do think if you aren't horrifically (laughs) being insanely quick to get your business online, you're going to go bankrupt. You know, this has really shown the difference between a Debenhams, a House of Fraser and a Cult Beauty, for example, or a Look Fantastic. Mm. You know, you can just tell that they're busy just by their website and how it operates. Well, I do because that's my psycho side of me. (laughs) But, you know, if you think about people going out into the shops, and how beauty is sold is touching people and sampling and testers. It's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Really interesting. And also just picking up on your knowledge, because that is something that um, you are very known for. Are you somebody who obsessively researches and how do you, are you just somebody who can retain information? Because, okay. No, my ADD makes that impossible. So I, I print things off. I make notes in my phone. I screenshot things all the time and save them in the phone. And then I go back and I think, oh, I forgot I read that. I mean, it's literally like that. The kids used to tease me about it and almost, I think, feel quite hurt that I wouldn't remember things except giving birth to them in their birthday. And and now they get it. Now they're like, oh, that's just mum. She doesn't. It's just that her brain doesn't retain knowledge in that way. Interesting. But we were having a conversation on a WhatsApp group the other night and I thought it was so sweet because I was asking you about um skin uh, uh, spf because a friend of mine her and her daughter had reacted and claire coleman's in the group and she said something she said two things and i looked at it and i thought i think i think she's speaking english and you <laughs> came back and just wrote that means it's got essential oils in it em. so as well as knowing everything i think you're also very good at knowing other people's limitations <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah that's that's essential oils em yeah exactly to save you going what is that please you're waiting for me to to open our conversation and go Caroline what did this mean um but you are very good at just like your knowledge is extensive so you must retain some of it I do but I think a lot of it is from is more from my daily everyday practice like practice and retention practice and retention Ah. it's a bit like being a sportsman you know you practice every day I do this all day every day so I'm constantly it's almost like my brain is is filed like a you know like a deck of cards and then if I read something new about retinol that goes into the deck it's that right. kind of thing so it's not that I'm forgetting where I'm bad is I forget things like dates I have to make sure that I'm told like you don't forget you have to do this or don't forget you have to do that and even though it's in my calendar I'm so busy doing other things I sort of need the push of don't forget it's this you know mm-hmm. um but I, I retain it but it's because it's just exercising the muscle of what I do every day. It's just basically me and Serena Williams are the same thing, literally. Goat. 
<laughs> I'm also really pleased that you always remember my birthday, and it's because I was born well, on my wedding anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> wedding anniversary, so I know you always remember. <laughs> right. So the other thing that I've done is I have because a lot of people are focusing on the fact that you are this incredible businesswoman. They talk about lots of lots of things, but without wanting to go over old territory or something that you might have explored elsewhere, I have printed off fifty odd quotes. Wow. Famous quotes about, about business. Yep. And I want your take on them, whether they're BS, whether you agree, why you agree. Almost like a quick fire. Were they all I, written by men? Well, <laughs> I've actually had to scratch one of them off. Why? Because <laughs> it was Bill Cosby. Oh. Well, we could we could still do the quote because then we can call him a rapist pig, but still talk about him having a business brain. Okay. Well, I just thought it'd be interesting. And yes, you're absolutely right. I think the exception of... One, possibly two, all men. Yeah. And the one that isn't a man is one that you and I know very, very well. Oh, I love this. Okay. This is yeah. like porn. Carry on. <laughs> all right. Okay. Winston Churchill. Oh, God. Right. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. True. Why? True. Because if every time you failed or every time someone told you you were shit, you wouldn't go anywhere, would you? You'd, you'd give up. And also, as, as successful as, and, and it, in social media, weirdly, Winston's been shed, dead how long now? What, 50, 40 years? 50, no, 60 years, maybe. But how now with social media, success is not final. That's cancel culture in three three words, four words. Mm -hmm. I can't count. I can also count. <laughs> success is not final is cancel culture in three words. Four words. I said it again. See? All I have in my head is success and final. That's what my mind is like. I work in snapshots of words. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. Very true. Right. In my experience. Um, and also, I actually think failure, one of the best things I was ever told was never take business advice from someone who hasn't failed. I have loads of those. Never take a no from someone who doesn't have the power to give you a yes. Is my I like favorite. that one a lot. I like that one a lot. We'll I mean, it works sure. on the shop floor too. You know, if someone says, oh, we don't have that out the back. You're like, have you checked? Could you check with the merchandising dude? Because he knows more than you do. That's me in a sports shop with my kids. I hate to be um, that mother. I don't want to be a Karen, but can I speak to the manager? <laughs> but I do it my, nicely because I love shop floor people. <laughs> my um, worst thing is when you go in and say, oh, do you have any more of this? And they go, if you've got it, it's out on the floor or so whatever, a version of that. I'm like, Everything that's we've got is out on the floor. That's telling me to F off. Yeah, you don't want to help me. Fine. Noted. Right. Herman Melville. It's better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. True. Because? Because if I had focused, when I started the blog, if I had focused on lipstick, nails and makeup, the blog would never have become what it did. But I went with skincare because that's what I knew. And now look where we are. God help us. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of other people who do, you know, I would have been imitating because I'm not obsessed with nails. I like having them done. That's it. I'm not obsessed with makeup. I've never enjoyed not wearing makeup so much as I have during lockdown. Um but skincare was what I did. And at the time, no one was doing it. Was, so it tempting, it was, a risk. was it tempting to think about playing with doing colour? Because obviously brands, there was a, at there the was beginning. a there. At the beginning, yeah. But of course, the difference was I worked in the industry. I already had loads of skincare because I'm in a completely compulsive shopper of skincare. So I didn't need brands to send me stuff to review. When they started sending me stuff, I was like, oh, wow, this is what happens. They send stuff to you. I had no idea. And that was that wasn't immediate. That was a good few months into blogging when, you know, I just started reviewing products I already had at home. 
Do you remember the first product that you got sent? No. No, give me a break. It's like over 10 and a half years ago now. Eh? I, I remember being <laughs> on um, local magazines and Revlon sending me skin lights and thinking, oh, my God. I oh remember my... the first trip I was invited on. Go on. Which was to Monaco hmm. with La, La Prairie to have dinner with <sighs> Prince Albert. Shush. Uh, and I was like, wow. It's like a two, three day thing. And the trip was great. And I it was only I was the only blogger. It was all at the time the lead beauty directors for all the magazines that some of them are no longer with us. R.I.P. But it was but Wait, now they died what, or they left the industry or both. Oh no, no, the magazine went down. The oh people, I see. <laughs> the people are here. Oh my god, no, the people are here. Um uh, so I remember that. But in terms of product, no. Was that the first time hobnobbing with uh, that crowd? It was the first time hobnobbing as one of them because I'd been working for brands for so long. I'd been to numerous PR events. I knew nearly all of the beauty directors, journalists, all of them. So that's why for me, again, it was like being on the outside and looking in and still is to a degree. I mean, I, when I, to the point where when I won my CEW award, I booked two tables to take everyone I know that I love that doesn't work in the industry just to make sure people cheered for me because I was nervous the room would be like oh this fucking bitch <laughs> <laughs> so table one was like me Jim Kate Somerville my management team my business partner Kate uh, so table two was the kids and then people you know like Amanda from Pixie was on table one like people who I would have invited to a birthday party were I took with me whereas Everyone else was kind of like the industry people. And I was just like, mm. no, I want to make sure that my people are there. And they were definitely there. Because when I finished and said, thank you very much, the noise was like some like when Liverpool score a goal. <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's my people. My <laughs> lot here. The noise is in the house. Thank God. So it's interesting because I, as a young journalist, bearing in mind I was 25 years old, when I first went on those things, I was just, I got drunk on it. I just wanted them all to like me loads. <laughs> so I did tap dance at the table. Look at the new girl. Laugh at me, like me, love me. I was a bit older, so I, I wasn't suffering from that disease to please, which is a very young person disease. True, true. We've all grown up since then. Right. We've all done that. Colin R. Davis. I'm not sure who that is. Um, the road to success and the road to failure are almost exactly the same. Mm, kind, kind of. Kind of. It depends what you're successful for, doesn't it? Uh, really, it comes down to your decision making. You know, the road to success could be your road to success might be easier than mine because you've got money and relationships. You know, we know people. The road to failure might be different because you don't come from money. You're not given a seat at the table and you don't know people. So I think that might just be a quote for something. <laughs> Bringing that back, talking about opportunity, not having a seat at the table, because I reposted that snippet from our conversation from 2018. Oh, yeah. Where you said black people do not have a seat at the table. Yeah. That's why they're not represented. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. And that, a combination of lots of things, I think everyone has reacted differently. And I've definitely gone away and read up. But the thing that's really stuck in my mind is that I can look at the people who are in my circle or in the industry and I can think, oh, gosh, am I elevating the right people now? Yeah. Or should I go back? Should I go back up the chain and show people who have never seen someone from the media before have never had a conversation with someone who's working in the media, who's worked in a magazine. Should I start 
focus my attention there so that in 10 years time, when they come to the workplace or 15 years time, it's no biggie for them to think this is going to be my my place. That's where my mind's going. Is that where you've been thinking too? I just think you keep doing both. I've mm-hmm. always championed and elevated my, not just my black friends, but, you know, my friends in the industry who are a mixture of a non-white. And I say that as the, it's still outrageous that white is seen as the dominant color. You know, people of color are called people of color because they're not white and white mm-hmm. is seen as the default position. That to me is a big learning for a lot of white people who don't who think they're doing their best, but they don't even understand that basic privilege of we are the default position, you know. Um, and and you know I've worked with a lot of gay people, trans people because of the industry I work in. So I've always champ. I'd like to think I've always championed everyone. Um, and I think it's we just have to keep doing it because, like I said, when all this happened with you know after the murder of George Floyd when this happened and everyone put the blackout Tuesday up I I had a few conversations you know internally with friends and just said just watch you watch they'll go back to normal next week it'll go back to normal it'll be ads and sponsorship and there'll be no black faces on their grid and it's always the same ones you know it's going to be so I think it will change but it'll have to change this is where you would hope that people who are called influencers would be able to actually use their influence let's hope it's a good point well made Caroline (laughs) um i'm sure i'm sure we'll come across this again in these quotes so we also have henry david theroux i think is how you say it success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it yeah true Uh, although i mean i I don't know if that's discounting the years of hard work but i think if you're so busy doing it you this is the the success happens whatever that might be and i'm not talking about you know people always equate success to like I think there's that generation that equates success to being fame, like well-known and and wealthy. And it's not success to me as having the freedom to do the job I want to do, be paid for it, but to have the job I want to do, work the hours I want to work. That to me is success. So, but I'm so busy working in it that sometimes Jim and I do occasionally have to go and sit back and go, right, let's have a cup of tea. We can take an hour because you're the boss. I literally, you know, okay, yeah, okay, I can I can take an hour because the work ethic is borderline psychotic which I've said before and I don't think it is borderline I think it is just off the chart <laughs> but do you also believe in that uh, the idea that um if you uh if your work is what you love I'm going to mash this up but you, then you never work yeah, a day in your find life find a job that you love and you won't work a day in your life yeah I have my home life with the kids and then I have my life which is work and everything mm. that it encompasses um Chris Grosser I don't know who this is is um opportunities don't happen you create them bit of both I prefer the saying that something like uh an opportunity is something it's like an opportunity is uh a a moment that you have both trained for and are willing to take the risk on Mm. that that kind of thinking of everyone has a similar opportunity but not everyone will will take advantage of the opportunity in a way that becomes fortuitous I suppose Sorry, listeners, there's a distraction at Caroline's end. Someone's nattering in the background. It's fine. Um, Let's move on to don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Ever had to do that? And that's Uh, from John D. Rockefeller. Yeah, in terms of giving up a good job to go for a great job, which for me was always either working for myself or senior management, etc. 
so yeah, I mean, I gave up my job at Chantecai. I gave up my job at Lizelle. That was no hardship. I um, <laughs> can I speak free? Can I speak freely? You on the Emma Gunn show, my friend. Of course you can. Oh my god! Um, and my job at Chantecai was a great job, and I cried when I left, but I knew it was time to leave because there was nowhere else for me to go. I was running the UK. I was training for them worldwide. I was never going to move to the States. I had, I was married with four kids. The healthcare alone would have been ridiculous because Jim's a type one diabetic. Um, it wasn't that kind of company. You know, Shantikai is very family driven. They hire their family. So it wasn't like I had the opportunity to anyway. If I just said, can I move to the USA? They would just say, oh yeah, sure. But that security wasn't the same. And also, you know, I didn't want to. And Jim didn't really want to. My mum would have killed me anyway if I'd moved abroad. Where um, does ambition factor into your success and decision making? I don't know. I don't think of it in terms of I have used the word and then I stopped using it because it's not about ambition because I don't really all I've ever really wanted is freedom. So I'll do what it takes to get me and give me the freedom of control over my life, which is what I have and have had for quite a few years. So that to me is success. And that's why people are always shocked when I'm like, oh, I don't really want to write a book because I'm not, the ambition isn't there for me to be a number one bestseller, which it is, which is great. I don't take it for granted, but mm. equally I'm not like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm thankful to the people who bought the book. But as far as the opportunity goes, I'm a 50 year old businesswoman. I know people are going to make a shitload of money out of it. So I'm not like, thank you so much for the opportunity of writing the book. They came to me because they know the book would sell. I know my worth. You know, there are 125 million pages on the blog for a reason. So I I didn't go in with a, oh, my God, please let me write a book. I had to be persuaded, which makes me sound like an ungrateful bitch. And I'm not. I'm just very aware of what it involved time wise and what that would take away from the blog. And it did. I mean, all my words were gone. At one point, I sort of when I finally delivered it, I said, you've, you've literally killed me. I have no more words. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to probably have to close the blog. I have no more words. I cannot speak. <laughs> they came back obviously to watch a football match or watch a bit of you know anti-vaxxing videos you'll be fine <laughs> oh actually that must be a great way to get you out of bed in the morning just like oh I'm just not feeling it. I need a lion and someone just put something anti-vaxxing in front of you and they're like right I'm up I'm up although a lot of the time it's easy to dismiss these days I take the notice that's true right Thomas Jefferson I find that the harder I work the more luck I seem to have yeah and that's that's been adapted to say the harder I work the luckier I get yeah, that's true. I've, I've used that many a year, many a year, especially when in the sort of middle middle years of blogging, where there was an original group of bloggers who then became uh, a few filtered off and just sort of gave it up and went back to their day job. A few became sort of big mega bloggers. But it was always the people complaining on Twitter that were always the ones who would complain about not being given jobs or opportunities who were if you look at their Twitter feed, they were watching X Factor, EastEnders, Coronation Street, Holby City, Hollyoaks, obviously very UK specific. So they they would do a nine to five and then switch off. Right. And that, that tells me it's and that's no judgment on people who watch telly. Don't get me wrong. I love a bit of SVU. Like we know this. It's the if you're not willing to put the work in, it's you're not gonna be perceived as lucky, shall we say. You have to put the work in. There's no shortcut. Yeah, I remember saying something about not having because I think I told you about having an idea for a book a little while ago and just saying I just don't know as if I've got the time and your friend of mine Nadine Baggett said if you stopped watching Royal Housewives you'd have the time <laughs> she can talk well yeah she enables me anyway 
Uh, Ray Goforth, Goforth, there are two types of people who will tell you that you cannot make a difference in this world. Those who are afraid to try and those who are afraid you will succeed. Yeah, true. True. People will always tell you that it's not possible or, or the doubters. They put doubt. They put doubts on you because they don't see that they can do it themselves. I've been very good at just blocking that out. How? Just literally just ignore them. <laughs> just just ignore them. I th- you know, it's that kind of, uh, there's also one about, you know, you'll never, uh, someone, someone more successful than you will never tell you it can't be done or something like that. You know, those kind of, yeah. that kind of spin on words where I'm not interested if you think you can't do this. I've told you I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. But I've been like that since I was born, apparently, if you talk to my mother. And even if you fail, like you've learned a lesson, you've learned the lesson, yeah. like you won't I, I make those mistakes again. You know, I wish I had the confidence I have now to fail and say, sorry, I fucked up when I was 20. It would have saved me a lot of years of pretending I knew everything. But I think that's what you do when you're in your 20s, isn't it? Everyone's an idiot in their 20s. You're supposed to be. I've noticed that, I don't know if you've seen this. I noticed that sorry has become such a, a thing that just people really don't hard do. Really to say. And really, I think it comes. Really it's such, there's such freedom. Sorry to interrupt. And there's mm. there's such freedom with saying sorry because you're owning it. And when you own it, no one can come at you. You know, the first thing when I see people who are really, really, really famous online and they they've made a mistake or there there's a previous tweet from five years ago where they were racist or or anything. You know, they were shoplifting. I don't know. Pick something. If the first thing out of your mouth is not "I am so sorry," you failed. No one wants to hear your reason. You, I am so sorry you know, I'm mortified. It's all, you know, I, I have learned a lesson. Like it, it, it's, there's freedom because then when people come back at you and go, you're this, you're that, you can go, yes, I absolutely was. And I've apologized. I'm so sorry. You just keep saying it. Then it doesn't leave people anywhere to go. Mm. There's power in saying, I'm sorry. If you own it, it you, if you make sure, sh- and you also, also ultimately you're making sure the other person knows that you've heard them, you respect them, and you are sorry, of course, don't say it if you're not. And don't say it to someone who doesn't deserve an apology. I'm not interested in cancel culture for the sake of it. Mm. And a, a great example being in the last few weeks, white women accepting the apology from other white people on behalf of black people. <laughs> and I've had to say in my comments, yeah, don't don't involve yourself in this. This is not your thing to apologise for. This is not happening to you. It's like being in a pub with two men, literally, and a woman comes in and says, he beat me up. And the man says to the other man, oh, sorry, mate, yeah, I slapped her. And he says, that's all right, don't worry about it. That's the same as white people accepting apologies for the injustices done to people of colour and, you know, black people. Don't do that. It's not on you. Don't send to yourself. Mm. There's power in saying I'm sorry when you should be sorry. Equally, do not say you're sorry if you know you're in the right and you stand your ground. Because I think it's that whole um, where there's a blame, there's a claim. So people have become really nervous about saying sorry. Yeah. And I, but I think as well, I don't know about you, but I think say sorry, but you can't actually control whether the person accepts it. Of course not. And so I've been in that situation where I've said sorry and the person's still angry. And I'm just like, well, what do I do with that? And I've had to work on just going, that then becomes their problem because I've actually. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there comes a point where you can go, look, I've said sorry. I'm not going to keep saying sorry. But I think it depends on the audience. It's much harder with social media. Oh, everyone true. Wants and the problem with social media is everyone wants to be heard and everyone who's angry and doesn't feel heard in their real life especially wants to be heard on social media. Should we go to another one? <laughs> this, is from, this is from Tony Hush. 
I don't know how you say this, H-S-I-E-H, should have put it into Google speak. Um, Stop chasing the money and start chasing the passion. 100%. 100%. If I chased the money, my blog would not be as successful as it was because I would have taken a lot of money to endorse things I didn't like. Just, that's easy, 100%. Chase the money, but the money will only get you so far. I remember just... Go on. I remember starting this podcast and a few people, you included, said, if you're just doing this, if you're just banking on this for money, it's not going to be no, legit. Gonna no. Yeah. And um, look what happened to you. It's <laughs> not multi-billion, billion download lady. <laughs> well, it's because the passion, the, honestly, the passion is so there. And you know me, like one week it's you, another week it's an armed robber, reformed armed robber, like... It's about putting out really helpful content. But anyway, it's not about me, it's about you, Caroline. Winston Churchill's featuring again. Uh, success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah, you have to take a learning rather than loss of enthusiasm. I think it's easy. A lot of things like this are based around business, but if you think of it in terms of sport, mm. if you think of it in terms of footballers and basketball players, if you think of someone like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. Did you have you watched The Last Dance? Yeah. 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 I've got a couple of more to do at the end. But if you look at the it's just intense focus and how what I love is watching how both of them, Kobe and Michael Jordan, would just call out their their fellow team members at practice sessions if they'd been out drinking the night before mm. like, like properly calling them out swearing at them you effing useless sob don't you're not fit to play on the court with me like amazing and then you know you see the other extreme of it where women aren't allowed to be like that if you watch someone like naomi campbell who let's face it there is no more famous black model than naomi mm-hmm. campbell mm-hmm. obviously there's iman and beverly but in terms of in terms of being a one named woman there's Iman but there's Naomi Mm. and Naomi comes with this whole other level of where people just assume she can be dismissed because she has attitude but actually if she was a man she'd be revered at being at the top of her game and there was a clip I saw Jackie Ina put up a brilliant clip of a a model on I think she was a judge on one of those like America's Next Top Model or something like that or I don't know what what the show is because I don't really watch them all but this young model had said well you know I mean I'm like you and I and Naomi went stop you are not on my level. You do not talk to me like that. You are not me. You are not on my level. And it was perfectly adequate. It was a perfect thing for her to say. But obviously it was it was shown on TV as being like Naomi's being above her, you know, big of her boots. No, she's not. She's Naomi fucking Campbell. Mm. Have you ever seen her walk in a show? 
Oh, the walk is insane. She has the best walk of all time. The first time I insane. ever saw it, I was just like, oh. I, that, it's that's not... why. Oh, no, yeah. that's why. I mean, obviously, you're a stunningly gorgeous woman, but that's why you're the queen of the catwalk. She's um, also one of the couple of people that blocked me on Twitter. Oh, Caroline. Is the other one Piers Morgan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Naomi oh. Campbell is to, is to uh, catwalking yeah. as Michael Hutchins is to live performance. Oh, my God, don't. Don't get me started on Hutch. No, I know. Yeah. We'll do Naomi that privately. Is the cat, catwalk queen. Yeah, totally. Right. So GK Chesterton said, I owe my success to having listened respectfully to the very best advice and then going away and doing the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. That's me too. <laughs> Thanks for that, Em. That's me to a T. Also, can I just clarify? I did not say anything horrible to Naomi Campbell about race or anything like that, because that could be sounded very dodgy. She blocked me because she said something like, embrace what you love instead of bashing what you hate. And I said, oh, what? Like your assistant with a phone. Oh, <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> she wasn't happy. So I took, it, I, took, I took the being blocked. It gave me a laugh. It's fine. Oh, she's not there yet, but she can make a sense of humor about it. It's fine. Caroline Hirons. <laughs> oh, Piers Morgan, I'll probably just call a twat. Let's face it. That's what I lovingly refer to as a thought, not a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I stand by the tweet because she was, you know, she was in, obviously in a very sanctimonious mood. And I was just like, don't. I think she was also telling off someone else for having an attitude. And oh. I'm like, hey. Know your audience. <laughs> Context. Context. Okay. We're moving on to Thomas J. Watson. This I do like your business quote porn and I like the sport analogy. So would you like me to give you a formula for success? It's quite simple, really. Double your rate of failure. You are thinking of failure as the enemy of success, but it isn't at all. You can be discouraged by failure or you can learn from it. So go ahead and make mistakes. Make all you can, because remember, that's where you will find success. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think, I, I, but I do think don't dwell on the failure too much. Make a mental note. Oh, that didn't work. So I'll move on and do something else. I don't have a lot of time for, you know, I wouldn't go to therapy for two hours a week to talk about my feelings in the past. I'd, I'd rather stab myself in the head with a pencil. So move on, like just, just move on and get on with it. That's very me for all my faults, you know, absolutely. But then I'm surrounded by people like Jim and the kids and you know we pull each other up all the time so it's not so much like things are unspoken it's just that they're dealt with and we move on yeah um but yeah I think there's also a bit of an obsession the British seem to have an obsession with failure which I don't understand they're like you must fail first I'm like oh you could just be really good at what you do not really go on and on about the failure and just get on with it and do your job either way true but then true but then it's like what I was saying earlier about that never take business advice from someone who hasn't failed. Like you're probably going to learn something more valuable from somebody who can tell you the pitfalls to avoid than the ones oh, who just. absolutely. Became... And, and, I, and I get that. What I mean is I wouldn't write a book about failure. Oh, I see. No. I'd okay. write a book about what I did to succeed. And that includes overcoming failure, but we, we don't dwell on it, you know? Yeah. True. Jim Rohn says, if you are not willing to risk the usual, you will have to settle for the ordinary. 100%. And he's not talking about skincare. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, definitely. Why? Because I could have stayed on counter all, day, all year, all my life, all my working life. I could have stayed on counter and there's nothing wrong with that. That suits a lot of people's mentality. They want the nine to five. Absolutely. You know, everything I say is done with the caveat of if you do you and you're happy doing you, then that's absolutely fine. Take no notice of me. Mm -hmm. But you have to take the risk of going for the higher management job, 
leaving a very secure job. You know, my job at Shantikai was like I could have still been there probably. Um, but if you don't take the risk, there comes a point where if you don't take a risk, you don't grow. You realise there's going to be 51 quotes of your own after this. This one's anonymous. <laughs> Do one thing every day that scares you. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if I'd do it every day, especially when you've got kids, because that <laughs> puts a whole different level of fear into things. Um, uh, it's not so much that scares you, but probably that gives you that that twinge of, oh, do, I would say do something every day that feels significant. Ooh. Do you like that, Em? I like that a lot. Did you oh, hear good. that? Ooh. Ooh. Michael John Boback, all progress takes place outside your comfort zone. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, probably, but not 100% because mm. like my blog was very successful. I've progressed to being an author and God knows it was outside of my comfort zone. But I would have been just as happy not writing the book and still having the blog. Personally, I'm talking about personally. So yes and no. For me, obviously just for me. These are all yeah. just my own personal opinion. Yeah, I also think sometimes being in a comfort zone for a, for a substantial amount of time learning and grafting and the repetition that we talked about earlier is the only reason why you can move outside your comfort zone. So I am with you. Yeah, repetition is key. I'm going to quote Tony Robbins now. Oh, bring it on, big man. Big man. Big people, man. Who, people who succeed have momentum. The more they succeed, the more they want to succeed and the more they find a way to succeed Similarly, when someone is failing, the tendency is to get on a downward spiral that can even become a self-fulfilling prophecy. A hundred and ten thousand percent. Like, absolutely, yes. The, the more that, like, I put it this way, I don't do going on holiday very well because I don't want to stop what I'm doing. I feel like I'll lose momentum. And that's exactly the mentality. I'll lose momentum. So when we go on holiday with the kids and stuff, we either have to do something where there's something to do or Jim and I will go on city breaks because I can do a weekend. That's fine. And I'll still have my phone and computer because I'm addicted. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but it's not even an addiction. It's just my life. It is my life. You know, I think if we need to change the language around people who work hard. It's not always a disease. Yeah. Work workaholic is just, I'm a happy workaholic. So does that have to be put in the same category as a negative? I don't think it does, but I'm, I'm also not here for people who are victims real victims yes just to be completely clear obviously real victims a real victim of violence a real victim of someone you know screwing someone over a hundred percent i will have your back but the victim mentality of why me why me why me this has happened to me why me i no, sorry not even with my kids even though the kids even though they're little you know if they hurt themselves they'd be like okay hey, right now my arm hurts i'm like yeah it does but it'll be fine let's move on let's do this and they're all the same now for better for worse <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens because I'm going to be a grandmother in September I'm interested to see how my son parents oh that's going to be that's mm. going to be so interesting mm. um Robert Kiyosaki said don't let the fear of losing be greater than the excitement of winning yeah definitely I don't I don't have any fear of losing uh, but equally I'm not obsessed with winning I just want to do what I want to do yeah Steve Jobs if you really look closely most overnight successes took a long time yeah. Everyone's like, so you've written this book and how long did it take you? And I'm like, oh, about 25 years. <laughs> it's all true. If longer, if not, you know, my first memories of my nana involve skincare. And I would have been like three, four, 
so more like 45, 46 years. Um, when Joe Fairley came on the podcast, um, she talked about people phoning her up and saying, oh, Joe, I need you to write this feature. How long will it take you to turn it around? And she says, 30 years and two hours. Exactly. <laughs> 30 years experience and it takes me two hours to write exactly. it. Exactly. There was a great tweet the other day, and it's always the same when it's regurgitated, but it is, there's something similar on the lines of uh, when you pay someone for their time, you're not paying them for two hours, you're paying them for the years they got to get the skill base to means that they can do the job in two hours all very true now your friend of mine barack obama the real test is not whether you avoid this failure but whether you won't but sorry i'll start again the real <laughs> test is not whether you avoid this failure because you won't it's whether you let it harden or shame you into inaction or whether you learn from it whether you choose to persevere yeah definitely but then it would be with barack wouldn't it let's face it he's not going to say much that you're going to think is a cock-up I just like him a lot. Um, yeah. Franklin D. Roosevelt, the only limit to our realisation of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Yep, 100%. Don't doubt yourself. And don't surround yourself by people who doubt you. If you have a friend who puts doubts in your mind, they're not a friend. Get rid. Have you, because you have three sons and a daughter, have mm -hmm. you instilled it in exactly the same way in all of them? Or have you had to, have you noticed a distinction in how you have done that with boys and with girls? a girl no we're pretty solid across the board it's pretty much don't let anyone push you around but equally don't be a dick don't be a dick yeah don't be a dick and don't let anyone push you around and make sure you step up for people who are being pushed around how do you okay if you think you're being pushed around how do you stand up for yourself without looking like you're the troublemaker depends on the situation there's not really an an all-ending answer for that it depends mm. on the situation i think staying calm is key I think it depends on where you are in the food chain, as it were. You know, not everyone can speak out. If you've got senior management who are being an absolute dick to you, make sure you write it all down. Make sure you take names and dates, take numbers, literally have evidence of everything, whether this is in work or at home and you've got an, an, an abusive partner, write everything down. Because when people get taken down, it's because there's a trackable history. It's a Those pattern. Receipts. Yeah, bring your receipts. If you have a pattern of behaviour, because it might not be you that brings them down. It might be someone else. But if you step forward and go, by the way, this happened to me and here's the receipts, that person's done for. Donezo. Finally, we get to a woman halfway through this At list. Time. Helen Keller. <laughs> Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired and success achieved. Well, kind of. I mean, they're not really the same thing, are they? I wouldn't put character and success in the same sentence in that way. But but yes, I think people who have had it, and this is my personal opinion again, I don't want to annoy people, but I think people who've had a harder life definitely have more of a will to succeed than people who've had things handed to them on a plate. Mm. But my own experience, you know, I've worked with people who've had things handed to them, money handed them to start a business and they haven't got a fucking clue what they're doing. But they have the arrogance of, I deserve this. Whereas there's people who are mortgaging their house because their passion is to have a business and they know exactly what they're doing, but they're not giving the opportunity because they don't have the connections. Mm. It's not cool. Um, right. Bruce Lee. Mm. The successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. Yep. Yeah. And again, think of sports, you know. Practice, repetition, practice, repetition, practice, repetition. Same in business. Um, business is a sport in a lot of ways. It is actually when you think about it like that. It is a sport. 
in a lot of ways. It's not in the way that I go to the gym every day. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we all know that's not happening. <laughs> Colin Powell, there are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work and learning from failure. Yep. I like that one a lot. Totally. Um, that's good. Cause some of these are now, some of these guys are getting a little bit samey. Um, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Jim Ryan yeah, again. Definitely. Definitely. Can you smell an excuse a mile off? Yeah. Whether it's your own or someone else's. Before they've even opened their mouth. <laughs> by their demeanour, by their body language, by their how they present themselves, by their not looking me in the eye. 100%. Whether it's a kid that I birthed <laughs> or one of their friends or the postman or someone in a boardroom. And what do you do if somebody presents you with an excuse? Depends on the importance of it. You know, the postman says, I'm not going to give the postman a hard time. You know, oh, sorry, love, I didn't drop it, it was someone else. And I'm like, I just saw you drop it, Brian, but okay. You know, that's fine. But if it's in the boardroom, it, it depends on the situation. You know, does this, does this person need to be pulled up publicly? But if everything is nuanced, that's the thing, it's, nuance plays has a lot to play and that's the problem with social media there's no room for nuance everyone Not wants everything to be black and white in the slightest i am really interested to think uh, know what you think about this one this is herbert bayard swope or hbs as we call him i cannot oh. give <laughs> no i don't know who he is i cannot <laughs> give you the formula for success but i can give you the formula for failure it is try to please everybody oh god yeah totally <laughs> Yeah. I mean, again, the blog wouldn't be successful as it was if I had tried to keep brands and PRs happy and not put my customers, customers thinking of retail now, not put my readers first. Mm. And it's the same way in it is the same way with customers, because if you put the the store first, your customer isn't going to be happy. You know, it's you have to put the customers first. You have to put your readers first. You have to put your listeners first. Em. Um, you so know, I'm bringing them an episode with you, Caroline. Yeah. But they yeah, ask you, for it all the time. And I I mean, I've said to you for years, been trying to teach her to say no for years. I know. And now you, you say no a lot, don't you? I say no, but I do I do get considered, I think, to be a bit bolshier than I... Good, good, good. If you're considered bolshier, the job wasn't right in the first place. Screw them. Okay. No, Shall you're we... worth no you're not worth true and I am a lot better at saying that but even I'll sometimes hear it come out of my mouth and I'll like my buttocks will clench you're like oh please don't please don't dislike me yeah I know I need to get better at that I know should we move do you want to know what Bill Cosby said oh yeah go on what did he say before he was <laughs> drugging and raping 70 odd women in order to succeed your desire for success should be greater than your fear of failure well yeah but equally I... And we and we think that we lost internet connection because we mentioned Bill Cosby. He um, shall not be named, apparently. So let's move he on. Shall not be. Yes. So let's go to let's find another woman. Oh, you might know who this woman is. She's Oprah. Um... <laughs> I bet I can complete the quote. You know, you are on the road to success if you would. Do your job for free and not be paid for it. Yeah. For free. Yeah. Agree? Yep, totally. Yeah. I agree too. Um, yes. There Don't is let a people take advantage of that though. 
Yeah, that's the only thing. <laughs> in our industry, especially as women, don't let people take advantage of that. Don't do everything for exposure. Do you know what? Exposure kills people. Exactly. Exposure doesn't feed you. Even this year, I had to say to somebody, I actually, I ended up changing my narrative a little bit because in the past I would have just huffed and dealt with it privately. But the, even this year, because of being mates with you, I did say to a brand, do you realise how insulting it is that you're asking me to do this for free? Yep. <laughs> and then my buttocks clenched. Yeah, but then you got over it. Yeah, p- picture of me inside your inside your cupboard. So when you open it and you're like, oh God, and then you see me going, ah, go guns. <laughs> I'm going to get that on a mug, you with the double thumbs up. Um, who else have we got on here? Um, there is a powerful driving force inside every human being that once unleashed can make any vision, dream or desire a reality from our friend Anthony Robbins again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it's that a lot of people, unfortunately, are raised around people who don't encourage them to achieve what they can achieve. They, you know, they're raised by whether it's parents who want you to do what they want you to do and they put their expectations on you or you just aren't given the opportunities because of where you're born and who you're born into. But, yeah, I think every person has the potential. If you feel like you're born into or you're in a situation where you're not getting access to the opportunities that you want or feel that you deserve what would be your advice to somebody about getting in front of those and defying the odds again I think it depends on the situation obviously it's each situation is different but if it's in the workplace especially if it's somewhere like the beauty industry like I say always take notes take names and numbers make sure that people know that you've applied for this promotion three or four times you keep getting passed over for it why are you passed over for it And eventually there does come a point, which I've done many a time, where if people do not see your worth, you have to leave them with that and leave. You have to go somewhere else Mm. and you decide your worth. You know, my worth is never going to be decided by someone who works in corporate. And that's why I couldn't do it. You know, it's interesting. I was chatting to someone this week, someone who works in magazines, and we were talking about how becoming a beauty director on a particular title was the validation we were all looking for. And I said, I don't know whether it's because we're older now, because back then we were in our late 20s and early 30s, but I hope a job title wouldn't validate me anymore. No, it wouldn't validate me. I mean, I don't know what to fill in when I have to fill in a job title. I just, it depends on it. I either put founder, MD, CEO, like we don't really have any of it. You know, it's kind of like I am, one of them, I just put the boss. <laughs> and they and it was a brand for a job and they took it they messaged and they were like this is the first time everyone's put the boss i'm like well at least now we know where we stand it's <laughs> interesting because who, who has final say <laughs> earlier in our chat you described yourself as a 50 year old businesswoman and it did make me think oh that's so interesting because um we lovingly call ourselves slashies like for me podcaster writer broadcaster for you blogger slash author slash what have you but actually sort of almost subconsciously you do describe yourself as a businesswoman. And I think that's probably the fair and most accurate description. Yeah, I'm a businesswoman. I always wanted to be a businesswoman. I always wanted to be in business and be successful. You know, if people see that as a negative because I blog, um, then I think their impression of what blogging is, is is wrong. You know, it's when you first start out, you have to do everything. You're the photographer, the editor, the developer, as in web, you know, the writer, the, the commenter, the fact checker you do it all and it's only really when money comes into it that you start to see the difference in people online it's very interesting for me to watch being older 
to see mm. how people respond you know like new people who come along and they say well my I have 5,000 followers and they only want to offer me 25 quid now to me even with 5,000 followers I just would not take that job no matter what financial state I was in I'm, why would you do a job for 25 quid imagine all the time it's going to put into it you know mm. so yeah I'm a businesswoman first and that kind of all encompasses everything that I do because I look after other people's businesses I look after mine I have two or three of my own so you know I encourage other people in business so I'm a businesswoman and you're and actually you said that about you look after your business and other people's and I always think of you as such a strong mama bear as well mm. but actually that's kind of your business personality too isn't it it's like I will protect and grow this business and nurture this business yeah yeah, I mean, assuming it's the right business, you know, mm. I do much more of it now. I don't really do it now. I do much more of it now sort of in conversation with friends in business who need help or just a bit of advice is kind of, and it's much nicer for me because I don't, when money changes hands, there's always that point where I will tell this person what they need to hear and they don't want to hear it. And that's fine. I'm like, that's absolutely cool, dude. It's your business, but I'm off. You don't, I don't need to take your money for no reason. If you're not going to listen mm. to me, I'm not going to take your money. Yeah. Simple. See, you're, you're not risk averse. Mm. And I remember when I was making a decision about leaving a job and I was like, I could stay here. I could see out this contract, but this is just garbage. And I remember you saying, go, get go. out, run, run. Whereas <laughs> our more risk averse friends like, oh, whatever, but that could be how you pay your rent. And in the end I did, I did the jump and it was a great decision. Yeah. But only because I was like hustling like a mofo. Like you have to hustle. Well. Yeah, you have to hustle. And I think I would like to reclaim the word hustle for the older generation. Because when we were growing up, hustle meant you worked hard. You worked every angle. You did whatever you could do to get the job done. You stayed up all night. You, you know, you made the connections. You, you, you hustled. Whereas now it's got more of a reputation of being you hustle someone, you're ripping them off. Oh, no. And it's not. For me, it's, you know, the hustle is the, it's the work. Do the work. Yeah, for hustle for me means no stone unturned. You only go to bed when you can sleep because or you're collapsing because you're not. You're, yeah, because you're not going to keep yourself awake thinking, "Did I do that? Have I done that properly?" And it's always I'm, like if I'm messaging or talking to people either online, friends, if I'm talking to people online or on WhatsApp, it's always the same people I know will be awake at midnight, mm. still still at their computer. It's like when I got the live Caroline Hirons cooking show the other night. When you <laughs> when. You, <laughs> listeners this is the call that I get where I'm at my computer at 9 30 at night so she knows I'm still working obviously and I'm propped up in the spice cupboard while she makes a carbonara from scratch yeah why not it was amazing what? I was I I, remember what was I calling you for I remember to, to do this podcast oh right yeah because I'd forgotten and I wasn't great that's right yeah yeah <laughs> um I really want to know what you think about this one this quote is from Aristotle Onassis Oh, the secret to success is to know something nobody else knows. Uh, well, yeah, kind of. But it, actually, that could just be that what nobody else knows is how good you are or how hard you're willing to work. That's, that's always been one of my secrets of my success has always been I will fucking work you off the table, babe. I will work you into next week. Like, bring it. You know, so when people... This, in that way the secret to success for me has been and that's why I've always told you like Em I can I know you you'll be absolutely fine tell them to go fuck themselves like get out you are your the best bet on you you know you don't need to be working with people who doubt your experience I just 
I just won't do it, you know. But I do think the secret to success is it's not so much knowing what no one else knows. As long as I think he could have been, you know, you could look at that from a business point of view, like a typical cliche businessman point of view, which he was, let's face it. But much to his detriment, I mean, he had shocking relationships with his kids, you know, and and you know, with poor Maria Callas. I mean, oh, every time on. I think of Anastas, I think of poor Maria Callas who poor died Maria in her Callas. bed. Yeah, alone. He broke her heart. He broke her heart. She and lived on Campbell's soup for about nine months to lose weight. Yeah, and went out with, you know, married Jackie Onassis, made a target for Jackie Onassis. You know, mm. I'm going to marry her. Well, Jackie Kennedy, obviously. Um, so I think it might be the secret is actually the secret is you. And that's kind of an Oprah thing as well. Like the secret is in you. Like you know what you are capable of doing. And you'll be your biggest champion, but you'll also be your biggest critic. No one's a harsher critic on me than me. So that's why, again, it's easy for me when I'm trolled. I'm just like, bitch, if I want to be called an old fat hoe, I'll talk to my kids. <laughs> you know, it's just your words are meaningless to me. I, I stand. Uh, there was a line that Oprah said, oh, you're going to love this, Em. Wait for it. It was so good. I took my phone out at Oprah. That's how good it was. Oprah, oh, wow. said, Oprah said, and I quote. No, and this is when you went to go and see her in New York. This is when I went to see her in New York. She said, um, oh, God, where is it? Oh, oh, this is it was wonderful. And I got goosebumps. She said, what I know at my age is that I have. And she did it the way Oprah does it. I have radical with her hands like the way she does. I have radical acceptance of who I am. And every woman, like Jim was like, oh, that was good. But every woman with me, as I was sitting in a, you know, I mean, the best thing about me for Oprah was that it was 95% black women dressed for church. Oh. It was the best, one of the best days of my life because obviously I was raised in the South. So yeah. I know what dressing for church means. These women had, and they, and there were girls going, girl, you got a new wig. Uh, it literally, there were women like, girl, I love your new, I, knew, I love your new purse. Um, they were dressed for Miss Oprah and she showed them the same respect. And I was treated like, well, she loves Oprah. She must be cool. It was immense. Jim was sitting next to a black gay guy and who was hugging him through the whole thing. It was amazing. And I had three women next to me and, the, and a woman behind me whose son had bought her the ticket for like her 75th birthday. She came on her own. But every time she said something, you could feel all of us get the same feeling like, Oh, my God. But, yeah, she stands and she said, I stand here in radical acceptance of who I am. And I think when you can do that, you're untouchable. And that doesn't untouchable doesn't mean that you don't have feelings. We need to reclaim that as well. Untouchable means like it's water off a duck's back. Say what you want about me. I know who I am. And that's why, you know, if people are calling me out saying you were aggressive, I'm like, yeah, I was my bad. I shouldn't have shouted that way. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, I stand in radical acceptance of who I am. And because you have as well, like in some of the, even recently, you'll go on and you'll say, I might have overdone it. No, I recently did it with a green brand. But that, I think that was the pinnacle for me because I realized a few things. I realized you're never going to change these people. They are determined to sell through fear. So leave them to it and be the exact opposite. They're screaming fear, fear, fear. Why don't you just calmly keep state, stating science, especially now that I have this big platform. So there was, you know, there comes a point where you're like, I, I'm not going to shout. You never see people like Oprah shout. You never see Tony Robbins shout. You never see them shout. They are it's always, true. I am very calm and here is why. You don't want to be detached. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg could do with a rocket up his ass. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
if you're sitting in front of Congress being called up, it might do you some good to actually show a bit of emotion. But there's definitely power in I'm speaking facts. Whether you accept that or not is up to you. So I'm kind of Mark, there now. I'm there with the anti-vaxxers and I'm there with the green movement. Mark Zuckerberg to me is the person who doesn't want to say anything because where there's a blame, there's a claim. So he's talking totally. around it and not accept. And that, that pisses me off. Totally. I don't, I, cannot deal with people who who find that or groove brands, or brands yeah or brands who do that are my bugbear you know like mm -hmm. they'll blame the customer before they accept responsibility did you check your back garden for the package dude i'm telling you there's no package here well they say they delivered it right well i'm you know just just take a bit of responsibility it's not hard it isn't is it but yeah that's sorry culture right i'm gonna um, quote someone else from the um our world, <laughs> beauty world, Vidal Sassoon. You might know this one. The only place where, where success comes before work is in the dictionary. It's in the dictionary, yep. Very true. Very true. And that's why this whole, I can't watch these things like X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, anything like that where it's a competition to win. I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. And like, you know, when you watch someone like Dave Grohl, who we have a mutual appreciation for, you know, Indeed. if you see Dave Grohl when he talks about things like America's Got Talent and stuff and and why he didn't want people like Glee to use his songs, he, he said it, it gives people the impression that this success is overnight. It's back to that, you know, the overnight success. How long did it take to write this book? About 35 years. So he said kids who want to be famous should be in, a, in, a, in their parents' garage getting screamed at for making too much noise, playing drums and sounding like shit for five years before they get their first gig. And when they go to that gig, they need to either carry their equipment there themselves or put it in someone's old transit van. Going on to TV and singing for 16 weeks, whatever it is, does not a star make. It's that horrible idea of you just haven't had your moment. So in a public platform, you get your moment to sing. But the only person I've said, well, not the only person, I'm slightly obsessed with Harry Styles' journey to becoming an absolutely glorious musician. Yeah, but he must have always had it. Yeah. He must have always had it, you know. So it's that kind of, but, you know, I was at, when we were at Hyde Park last year at the gigs, Perry from Little yeah. Mix was at Celine Dion with me and Ruth. I know. And she was next to us and she and her mum in between waiting for Celine and stuff, She, her mum was saying how all she ever wanted to do was be a singer. All she did from the minute she would get home from school and her mum bought her a karaoke machine and then she bought her a sound system and they would set it up in the kitchen. And from the minute she got home from school, she would practice and she would practice all day singing her favourite people's songs, whether it's Celine or Mariah. All she ever wanted to do was be a singer. And I think she's easily the best singer in Little Mix. Also, I I love this guy on YouTube called Tristan. I've forgotten his name, Tristan Paredes or something. And he's a vocal coach, really, really, really good vocal coach. And he goes through clips of people. Yeah, reacts. Reacts. And then when he did the Perry from Little Mix one, he was like, this, this woman is flawless. Yeah. Her voice is incredible. And he was, it's one of my favourite videos to rewatch because her vocals are insane. Yeah. I sat next to her while she sang Celine, Celine Dion for me. It was wonderful. <laughs> she didn't realise she was giving us all an audience, but we had Celine and Perry. And then, of course, oh, me and Ruth, which was the clip I put up of us both trying to be like, not sounding like, cats who are being skinned alive <laughs> very entertaining it was a wonderful clip right i think i'm going to see if there's any more because like i said some of them were getting should we go to thomas edison for our final one 
I never did anything worth doing by accident, nor did any of my inventions come indirectly through accident, except the phonograph. No, when I have fully decided that a result is worth getting, I go about it and make trial after trial until it comes. Yeah, I mean, must be. I mean, if you fall across something by accident, I don't know if that ever happens, does it? If you think about innovation and making things and, you know, even people who are discovered singing again, like that woman who was discovered singing in the tube ended up on Ellen, but she'd been a pub singer for like 20 years. Mm. So she just happened to be in the tube when that guy wanted her to sing. It's not like she suddenly discovered she could sing because a man put a microphone in her face, you know? But yeah, I think it's practice and repetition, admitting when you're wrong, you know, not letting people walk all over you, knowing your worth. I mean, essentially that's what they're all kind of saying in varying degrees. In varying different ways. What a joy. It's just a shame there's not enough women in it, though. If you think of like Emily Weiss, when she talks about the Glossier story and she talks about how she took her idea, pitched her idea to 11 or 12, I can't remember, 11 or 12 investment bankers or investment firms. And 11 said no, one said yes, and it was the only woman. 11 Mm. men said no to Glossier. It's like the people who turned down the Beatles. Sucks to be you. You know, It really does. Just like the, the person who saw the what could Glossier could be was a woman. Fascinating, isn't it? Hopefully next time we do a 50 quotes about success, it'll be 48 women and two men. Yeah, I'm sure we could find some. Eleanor Roosevelt's got quite a few good ones. Yeah, I probably just didn't do... I was going to throw in a Trump and then I thought that would be mean. What, just to test me? What was it? You can grab them by the pussy if you're <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Donald. Nice contribution to the work to the world. I couldn't bring myself to I couldn't bring myself to do it because it's gone it's gone beyond funny. (laughs) So I just thought God, it's painful. Yeah, but there we go. So um yeah, those are the ends of the quotes. But that is uh Caroline Hiron's breakdown of success. Success breakdown. I don't know what we want to call it. Something like that. Do me a favor, Em. You know, you know, when you do these like intros to your podcasts, the way everyone yeah. has podcasts, they do an intro. Do me a favor. Don't apologize for me. Why would I apologize for you? You don't do it. But every podcast I've done recently, people have said, I just want you to know you might. And I will apologize in advance because there is some language. Or now, if you're not used to Caroline, there is someone I just think, why would you invite me on your fucking podcast if you're going to have to apologize for me? Do you know what I mean? That's like that real. Again, all you're doing is reinforcing the fact that I'm supposed to be outspoken. You know, I'm outspoken and gobby, but you're apologising for me before we even get started. Do you know what I mean? I know you wouldn't do it, but you know what I mean. It's one thing to say there's a language warning. It's another thing to almost excuse my behaviour. Sorry, I make a list. I have a list, Em, don't worry. You know my list. You've seen my shit list. You're you're the one who didn't didn't believe my shit list was real and then I showed it to you and it's literally called shit list. Yep, I have seen it. It exists. It's real. (laughs) I kind of wish I hadn't seen it. I have seen it it today after our conversation. Yeah, true. Um, what was I going to say about? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to apologise for you, <laughs> and we and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast in the way that we have done it today, talking about success. Because for me, someone who met you through work but now considers you a, a mate. Yep, you better. Or I'll come around and beat you up. <laughs> if I'm propped up in the spice cupboard, I'm a friend. You're a friend. I, yeah, I don't want. I I find it. Yeah, it's not just about you being outspoken. I feel like you've built an incredible business. You have a lot of people's interests at heart. You 
give really good advice. Yes, you are emotional and you speak your mind, but that's not the biggest or loudest or best thing about you. Like you've created an incredible business. You're really supportive. You're incredibly loyal to your friends. You stand up for the underdog. You elevate people when you get an opportunity. And there are so many people who have huge platforms who don't elevate people and just elevate themselves. And so I think all of those things need to be admired. And the fact that you go on one of your rants is not the most interesting thing about you. And also, well, thanks, mate. Don't make me cry because I'm very hormonal. But also telling a woman she's too loud and outspoken stops other women from speaking out. And that is that's why I say it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about me. You know, I don't care if you think you have to apologize because I'm outspoken. But in telling me that I am outspoken, you might be stopping someone from reporting abuse. You might be stopping someone from reporting a boss who's bullying them and properly bullying them. Not the stupid mm-hmm. word that seems to be on social media now. Like, oh, they're bullies. They literally said you're a fool. That's not bullying. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so so but I, I just telling me to shut up is telling other women to shut up and that's why I have an issue with it you know because I can easily say fuck you I'll say what I want but it's like you're posting an amazing song yeah literally I've been playing it all morning to keep my rage down but but if you are telling a woman that she is too outspoken I mean I can't even so I'll tell you what we're doing now before we finish we you know the MP Dr Serena who is an A&E doctor and yeah, she, I hope she's sorted her tone out. Oh, mate. So long Honestly. story is for listeners who don't know, she's an A&E doctor, but she's also an MP. She went part time as an MP so she could go back to the front line to help with COVID. She comes back into the House of Commons and is talking to Matt Hancock, who is our Secretary of Health and also a total tosser, <laughs> who she's standing across from. And obviously in Parliament, you have to be the right honourable gentleman, the right honourable madam, you know, and she says, Will the right honourable gentleman, and basically she's saying to him, but in very polite Houses of Parliament speak, we don't have enough PPE. My colleagues are dying. You've made promises that we're all going to be protected. We're not protected. You need to do something about it. What are you going to do in a very parliamentarian way? And he said, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, and I do think that the, the, the good lady or however it is he phrased it would do well to take a leaf out of the shadow health secretary's book and mind her tone. And this is literally this is literally like a month ago. And I of the closest I have come to driving to Parliament and being arrested for calling someone <laughs> to the next Tuesday. And so I thought right, I could I scream about this or I could message her. So I messaged her. She responded to me within three minutes because she then tweeted, I'm about to raise my tone. Ooh. And she repeated what she'd said to him and tagged him. And everyone was basically, and you know, the worst thing you can do to me as a woman is tell another woman to shut up in my presence because I will lose my shit. Like it's, po- I'll go postal, as they say. My mother calls it, I left my body, went around the earth and came back again. <laughs> my mum's <laughs> like, oh, I was gone. Oh, I left, I was around the earth. I'm like, how far around the earth are you now, mum? Oh, I'm still, I'm, I've gone postal. That's why we say gone postal. So we got together with a uh, charity that we're announcing next week and we are releasing a mug that says, I'm about to raise my tone. And the money is going to a charity for young mental health. That's bloody so, brilliant. Fuck you, Mant Hancock, on behalf of women everywhere. Fuck you. We are all going to raise our tone. So when you tell someone, and I must apologise, you know, Caroline's very outspoken, then don't invite me on your podcast if you're going to apologise to me. That's my new one. If you're going to start by saying, I mean, you're very outspoken, aren't you? I, honestly, I switch off and I go, I'm just like, I'm done. And that's why I've got more fussy. And it's not because, like, the reason I'm speaking to you is because 
you and I know each other intimately, well, not sexually. Well, I'm not sexually. No, the caveat there. Calm down. We've had a lot of very <laughs> lovely hugs. I mean, we might squeeze boobs occasionally, but you know, it's fully clothed and in front of my husband, so it's fine. Um, but then that even sounds worse. <laughs> it really does go for life. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying very seriously, um, I I am sick of being apologised for. And when Oprah said, you know, when she said that, you could see all these, and she really, you could feel women in the room go, fuck yes. Mm. Yes, I have radical acceptance of who I am and I, I'm not asking you to apologise for me. So, yeah, I'm about to raise my tone. I appreciate that so much because I think something that we hear about so much and we've talked on this podcast with lots of women is about that inner monologue of I'm not good enough, <sighs> imposter yeah. syndrome, they'll tell me to be quiet. So what? They might tell you to be quiet. You know what you can do? You can say you'd be quiet. Fuck off. You can say the yeah. same thing back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Raising our tone. And I love the fact that I'm going to let listeners in on this little secret. <laughs> Caroline has given me her undivided attention now for an hour and a half. Yet not too long ago, a cup of tea came into the room, which means that at some point, without me realising, she sent a text. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was, in, in fairness, when our Bill Cosby quote killed the podcast, because they were like, don't ever talk about him again. And we were like, OK, fine. Yeah, sure. I checked my phone and Jim had messaged and said, tea? And I replied, oh, oh yes, please. <laughs> oh, I see. We're still, still, it was seamless, flawless, and I enjoyed the Very flawless. Oh. Basically, if I've gone quiet for more than half an hour, one of us will appear with a brew. If he's quiet, I'll bring him one. And if I'm quiet, he'll bring me one. Well, that's true, love. We should do an episode on that at some point. <laughs> um, I will obviously be putting the links to Caroline's social media, her blog, which has had how, 125 million views? That was before unique. the book nonsense. I imagine we're well above 130 now. That's scary. And the link to the book, which I am holding in my hands right now for the benefit did of Did you love your only. inscription? I love my inscription. You, did you like my stories? I loved your stories. <laughs> I sent them to all my mates. Like, look what I did for guns. Um, guns, love you, slag, see. But what the thing is that makes this really... <laughs> um, years ago, Gok Wan, when I was his beauty girl on series three of How to Look Good Naked, he had a wow. book come out and he gave me a copy. And in it, it says, slag. The inscription yeah. is slack. So yeah. like, but it's yeah. in my parents' house on their coffee table yeah. for anyone. The term who wants of endearment. And I think, you know, slag is a word that women should use. Like Ava and I will call each other a slag or a whore, but it means I love you more than anything and I will die for you. It's that kind of it doesn't mean I think you've slept with too many men. I don't know anything <laughs> about your sexual past partners. You know, it's like a word that women need to reclaim. So mm. if like a man and we could do a whole other thing on this, like you know, we were walking down Bond Street and a load of builders had obviously Wolf was sort Ava. I was with Ava. Trust me, when you're out with your daughter, no one looks at you. And that's absolutely fine. You know, she's built mm -hmm. like, I mean, you, you know what Ava looks like. Mm, and, she's gorgeous. But, but she had picked up on it and turned around and was effing and blinding at them before I even knew what was going on. So I thought, oh my God, I am that mother. I'm now like, what's happened, boo? What, what's happened? Who should I kill? And she's already taken care of the situation. She's like, nothing, mum, come on. But you know, she's literally mouth the mouth. I was like, oh yeah, that might be my child. <laughs> like women can say what they want to other women I think in Nadine's I put dear Nadine you will learn nothing from this please don't throw it away love you Caroline <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give all my mates inscriptions so that they so that they didn't give it to charity <laughs> <laughs> seriously like can you imagine oh. can you imagine if that turns Flag. up on the internet oh I bought this, this I bought Caroline Iron's book in um cancer research today and there's an inscription just says slag just says guns you slag i'll be like emma yeah. you, your book to cancer research 
<laughs> Can you even imagine? It wouldn't happen. It's pride of place. Oh, but I got a really tough decision at the moment because you know I colour coded my bookshelf. Yeah, and it's yellow and white. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to put it in yellow because mm. it's on the top shelf. Yellow's on the right. top shelf. But I have to... So basically, I have to either get rid of John McAvoy because mm. I haven't got enough room in the bookshelf or Jason Statham or Tim Ferriss. And I think Tim Ferriss is going to go. Sorry, really? Tim. Really? You're keeping, yeah. you're keeping Statham over Ferris. Statham over Ferris, yeah. And you're going to, you're going to, so you're going to, and it seems more appropriate for you to be with Statham. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like if I was bald, I could totally play Jason Statham in a movie. Statham, Hirons, McAvoy. It's yeah. the perfect well, yellow book. I, I'd say that with the caveat of obviously I have bingo wings and I don't have a six pack, but I just meant vocally, you know. All right, mate. Have you seen The Expendables? Probably. It's something I would do. You have to watch it after this. Promise Promise me you will watch it after this. It's like Isn't one that of the, the worst one with films Stallone? Ever. Yes, but Arnie has a has a cameo and so does Bruce Willis. You have to. Oh, is that the one where Liam Hemsworth doesn't do very well? Because John no. Paul Blandam. No, no, no. That might be The Expendables 2, 3, 4 or 27. I just watched the first one. I mean, okay. it's so bad. But you know when you're watching something and it's so bad that you enjoy it? Oh, you'll love it. So... That I could be Jason Statham in The Expendables. I'm just going to move my computer slightly so you can see the picture behind me. I know. I can see that. And I also saw Beyonce next to it. Yeah. Beyonce. <laughs> Doing the middle finger. Best, no, it's Best Revenge is Your Papers. Oh, is it? It looks like she's giving the middle finger. Well, it sort of is. But in the video for, um, is it not Reformation? Well, yeah, the, where she's yeah. going, Best Revenge right. is Your Papers. Remember that, girls. Get yours. <laughs> so it's propped up on my printer. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. Get yours and have a picture of me above it going, fuck them, Em. Fuck them. Yeah, I'm going to get that picture. And then we should do another podcast, another group one, because Trini's, you, Trini, me, Nadine, that was really popular. So we should get a little panel together, talk about wolf whistles, talk about raising our tone. Definitely. Let's get, let's get that in the diary when we can all be in the same room, because it's been Again. too long since I've had one of my Hiram's oh, cuddles, Hiram's hugs. I want to hug people. I'm so over I know. it. I know. When it. You know, when it first happened, we were all keeping distance and... And now that we kind of got tested negative because I got sick and so they sent me a test and obviously because I live with people, they tested them. Mm. So now we're all hugging and it's lovely. But, you know, and you're like, I just want to hug people. I'm a I hugger. Know. I know. Anyway, so. I digress. Sorry, mate, I could go on for hours. No, it's fine. I'm going to let you get back to your weekend. I love the fact that you were like, should we just do this on Saturday? And I said, sure. Shall I publish it on Sunday? And oh, you were yeah. Like, yeah. So, oh, yeah. That's, um, that's our working week for us. I don't have a day off. I no. have days where I don't have to speak to people in offices, but I'm always working. Same. A hundred percent hard same. But I am going to go and eat a packet of crisps now and then do some yoga. <laughs> no, I'm not. So you enjoy that. I might um, go and watch a film. <laughs> it's been um, an absolute delight to talk to you as always. And it's nice to see you. Thanks for having me, mate. Anytime. Links to Caroline, her book, her blog, everything, and possibly some videos of us singing will be available on both oh, of nice, us. Nice, nice bit of Robbie Williams. Oh, yeah. Angels. All right. Um, I'll see you very soon. Bye, mate. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gun Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming 
streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. <laughs>